The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Hey, it's Chris Jericho. You're listening to the Rough House Podcast featuring the sexiest beast in all of Maryland and surrounding areas, the illustrious Chris. And Marty. The opinions expressed in the Rough House Podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the WWE, Lucha Underground, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, GFW, are they even still a thing? MCW Pro Wrestling, CZW, Nads Flappy Sack, Marvel Studios, Kellogg's, Frisky's Cat Food, Ted Turner, Jameson Irish Whiskey, Fruit of the Loom, Hershey's, Samsung, Amblin Entertainment, Groundskeeper Willie, or the cast and crew of The Walking Dead. Since the dawn of mankind, those in professional wrestling have turned to the Pro Wrestling Podcast to gain insight into how to do their jobs, how to create angles, develop new characters, and create fiery feuds with which to capture an audience's attention. What better group of individuals than basement dwellers on internet purchased microphones to guide the hand of a multi-million dollar industry? We're proud to present one such podcast courtesy of the Realm Network here at the Rough House where black people and white people watch wrestling and Hispanic people too and all people. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Hi, hi, Marty here. Hey, and I'm Christoph. I uh, hope you guys are in a comfortable seat, yeah. comfortable position, have some comfortable headphones or earbuds in, because uh, good Lord. <laughs> yes, yes, we, we've had multiple world title changes in the past few days. Uh, I thought there was only just one. Uh, three. <laughs> three. What? Yes. Yeah, we had a universal title change. We had a What's Ring that? of Honor <laughs> we, had a, we had a Ring of Honor title change. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we we had a, uh, an AEW title change. Uh, just a crazy week in pro wrestling uh, between Saudi blood money shows, uh, great wrestling on television, uh, pay per view event, which. Uh, for the most part, was pretty good. Uh, you know, th- I I will say for me, it might be one of the more mixed AEW shows. But okay. the the highs were very very high on that yeah. one. Uh, Certainly have some critiques on that. Yes, uh, folks are getting signed. All t- all types of goodness that you expect out of the world of pro wrestling. Shows um, are getting canceled. Yes. Uh, oh man. People are coming back. People are signing. Yeah. Uh, we got cross brand matches happening yes. all kinds of uh ridiculousness this week yeah. and this is the rough house podcast by the way so yes. uh in case you can't read the app you pushed play on to yeah, see that or, it is the rough house podcast to the intro you just kind of skipped ahead to <laughs> when people were talking and it's clearly not pre-produced. i haven't listened to our intro in uh, uh, since i made it probably well, well it, it's it, it's the rough house where white people and black people watch wrestling that's yes. still our intro. Uh, I, well, it was at some point. Oh, yeah, that, that tells you how how often I listen too. Um, <laughs> Look, I have the session saved, and I just move the new file in there. Hey, and then, I, I get it. You know, I get it. I get it. Anyway, uh, there you go, folks. A peek behind the very low produced curtain. Uh, I am such a lazy piece of shit. So, so what do you want to get into first? Uh, you know what? You mentioned it. I think it's the the first thing to mention, just because it's going to explain. A lack of coverage the next few weeks. New Japan Pro Wrestling. First two weeks of March, at least. 
totally yeah. off the books. Uh, it, it, earlier this week, we had the announcement of the uh, the the anniversary show, which is going to be headlined by Tetsuya Naito and Hiromu Takahashi as the double champion faced the junior champion. Very excited for that. We had the brackets announced for the New Japan Cup. Great yep. matches announced for that. Then. Literally 48 hours later. Sorry, guys. Coronavirus is canceling everything. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a sitch over in the uh, Pacific Rim and not just uh, because of big kaiju and uh, <laughs> yes. and and, uh, and and mechs fighting in the, uh, in the water. A uh, little bit of an outbreak, a little bit of a pandemic, mm-hmm. borderline epidemic happening over there. So, yep. you know, public safety is a, is a big thing. And obviously, I don't want my dear, sweet, beloved Kota Ibushi to get sick. Yes. Um, Again. So protect him. Protect him at all costs. Yes, yeah, that that's that's what we're looking at there. Oh, and, and of course, you got to keep Tana and the good hair uh, taken care of. And uh, yeah, you know what? I think if Big Tommy she had coronavirus, he would just look as miserable as he already does. I can almost guarantee that, and that if Shingo Takagi walked around completely naked throughout all of Asia, he wouldn't catch anything because no. he's that tough, tough of a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. The the coronavirus would just go. I'm good. No, thank you. Yeah, he's um, like I'm not taking a pumping bomber from this guy. Fuck out of here. But but it is interesting, you know, covering something that is a live event based business. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, speaking for myself as someone with live event based interests outside of this podcast, th- that is kind of the big question mark of how is this going to go? I mean, um, you know, y- y- you think about it. Uh, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming to our shores. You know, we're oh, yeah. we're starting to see here in the States the, the first people uh, with it. And, and yes, it is just a really, really strong flu. Yes, the number of people who have had it is not massive, and also the percentage of the people who have had it who have died, uh, unfortunate, but still not massive. It's not like it's a death sentence. It's not Ebola, um, but you know, it's it's still something to be wary of. And we are seeing countless events getting canceled. Uh, you know, the New Japan canceling their events is not an isolated thing. Uh, Japanese baseball is, you know, they're playing games in front of no audiences. They're just going yeah. to stadiums and playing. Uh, Without although- a riot shutting down the cities. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you know, that's, exactly. It's, it's, it's a weird thing, although Adam Jones very comfortable playing in an uh, empty stadium. So yes, yeah. familiar Be- for him playing Been in Japan there, now. done that. Um, <laughs> uh, Stardom had the same thing. Dragon Gate announced yesterday they were canceling their shows. A few of the smaller indies are still running shows uh, because, well, they need the money. Um, I, I guess the question mark is... Are we going to see this move to the states? You know, is there going to be similar concerns? Uh, I would not be shocked. I mean, uh, Facebook just canceled their conference. There's a game developers conference at GDC, which is supposed to be happening in the next few weeks. That just got canceled. Um, And I recognize that some of those concerns are because of international travel for those events. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, what's going to happen to... I mean, even just on a weekly basis, your Monday Night Raws, your Wednesday Night Dynamites, your, well, let's be honest, full sales tiny enough that you can have people there and everyone's going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know where this is well, going to go. I mean, full sales in Orlando and Orlando sees a lot of international uh, yeah, visitors. So, you know, I go through international airports every couple of weeks. So yeah. I'm now like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not the healthiest person to begin with. Yeah. Uh, see the massive plate of pizza rolls I ate last night. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, 
it's uh it's it's, it's going to be a thing um we don't know how far reaching it's going to be how much it's going to impact you know uh, our day-to-day or even our interests so it's a kind yeah. of a a wait and see hopefully these people are um, smart enough to start planning some kind of contingencies in case mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they do have to cancel live events or, or something of that nature. Um, you know, WrestleMania is uh, about a month away. Yeah, and that's yeah. A, uh, and they're, that's, they're a big, actually, that's a big deal. There were some news stories about WWE and the city of Tampa working on contingencies, trying to figure out what to do. I, You know what? That just hit me. The number of WrestleMania week shows with yeah. international talent yep. scheduled to fly in. You know, uh, DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling were supposed to be coming over. And and uh, you got Minoru Suzuki coming over to go against Arch Cassidy at spring break and all these different... There's a lot of New Japan talent coming yeah. over. Oh, yeah, that's Super right. Card they're, of Honor as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and their own individual, like the Lions break shows and stuff yeah. like that. Um, you know, the, the question mark is there, will they even be able to get into the country? You know, we, we well, don't know where things will, will be come end of March, beginning of April. I would, uh, formally like to, um, uh, offer that if Kota Ibushi needs a place to stay, mm-hmm. um, he could stay in my nice cozy one bedroom apartment with us, and I would be uh, be very okay with that. Um, you know, we'll figure out the the language. Uh, Look forward uh, to having him on the show. It's going to blockage be great. here. You know, yeah. we'll uh, I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, you know, there will be. Uh, it, 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 I just want to offer. I just want the guy to be okay. Yeah, just protect him. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, I just need him safe. No, no more flus for that guy. He's already had one this year. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not give him two. And you know what? Uh, I, I think if anything here in the states, what we can do is we can rest assured that the best people are on it, and we're going to be fine. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers to coronavirus people. They're going to be a okay. Anyway, uh, uh, nothing happens when you die. Speaking of international travel and international shows, uh, the fifth Blood Money show is in the books. No mm. one got held hostage at an airport this time. Unfortunately but... for some of the, <laughs> I kind of feel like that. Guy, it was like, eh, maybe if they stayed over there, I wouldn't hate it so much. But, yeah. You know. yeah, but uh, we, we have a new Universal Champion um, as Bill Goldberg at 53 years young. Defeated the Fiend in three minutes in Saudi Arabia, and we're heading straight to Goldberg versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. We've dissected this over the past few weeks uh, because there was speculation about whether or not Goldberg would be part of the show. I, at the time, of course, said, hey, it made sense, you know, for mainstream publicity, Spear versus Spear. There's a very clear story there. Um, I, I still don't think on paper it's a bad idea for a match, but... Uh, based on SmackDown this week, I may be a vocal minority as people are not pleased about any of this. Chris, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, well, I have many. <laughs> I have many. We could yeah. spend the whole hour talking about uh, about this, but WrestleMania is, you know, it's a big pop culture moment. It's a big mm-hmm. event. It's you know on par with the Super Bowl. Well, no, it's not. Um, they they like to think that it's on par with the Super Bowl in the wrestling world. Yeah, it's on par. It with is the Super the Bowl. Bowl. Yes. Um, but, you know, even in terms of uh, outside of the wrestling bubble, it's 
it gets mentioned and you know they do uh espn and and all these different sports stuff and it's uh you know entertainment tonight all the stars or whatever who gives a shit yeah, to, Maria to, Menounos. to some people wrestlemania is the kleenex of professional wrestling it's just a catch-all term for what exactly pro wrestling is that's yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true or the xerox or you yeah, know yeah, yeah. q-tip something of that nature so yeah. um and i i get that you know you want to have you you want to attract people who wouldn't normally be watching your product mm-hmm. um or have watched the product in the past and have lapsed um but i i, I don't know how to put this into words um the same way of a Brock Lesnar as a part-time champion um i will say at least brock lesnar can still work and make fun entertaining matches um goldberg you know for his age uh he looks great and i'm sure his his conditioning outside of a wrestling ring is pretty good but in the ring wrestling is is the conditioning is different than any other just you know being in a weight room or whatever and i'm sure that bray wyatt was a little uh, salty about having the job to goldberg in three minutes in saudi arabia so he probably dead weighted him on that jackhammer yeah that was uh, that was ugly and you know look goldberg's matches since he's been back He's had what, maybe one good one, and that was the one, the second one with Brock. Yeah, um, you know he squashed Kevin Owens. He squashed mm-hmm. Brock that one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he almost got murdered by the Undertaker. Yep. Um, it's it's not a great uh, average. Uh, you know, if we're rating those matches on Grapple. Uh, it's yeah. it, they're not uh, they're not super high. Yeah. Um, but I, I just Bray Wyatt had put so much um effort and creativity into this character he was one of the uh top merch sellers mm-hmm. of the past six months um and it just I, I i don't know it was just very unceremonious to that and to, if you wanted to do reigns versus goldberg at mania fine but did you really need the title involved for it yeah, I, I, I don't think he did, uh, unless the goal is to get the belt on Roman. But even then, Roman could have won the belt uh, at uh, Elimination Chamber. Right. Uh, you know, could have defeated the Fiend in, you know, the, the, the demonic structure or something like that. And, yeah, whatever you know, bullshit they call it. Right. And, and you could have basically you could have ended up with the same result by uh, going in a different direction, which feels like a standard complaint we have here on the Rough House about WWE, which is the end result isn't necessarily the problem. It's the execution along the way. And. Um, you know, what we saw, well, what we didn't see, uh, but many saw, and and thank you for uh, all of the, the many comments and responses about how much you all hated the show. Um, uh, you know, our, our listenership did watch the Saudi Arabia show. Thanks for filling us in. And uh, it sounds like yeah. no one was happy because, you know, on, on that very same card where you had this Goldberg moment, which... Uh, clearly did not get people excited. Uh, you also had Ricochet eating a pin in 30 seconds from Brock Lesnar. Uh, we always talk about how there's two versions of Brock. There's Brock that gives a shit and there's Brock that doesn't give a shit. And this was don't give a shit Brock clearly. Uh, and you had uh, something that I'm sure my lovely co-host is excited about. Uh, the return of the Undertaker. 
adding himself to the gauntlet for the aggro crag in Saudi Arabia, uh, filling in for an injured Rey Mysterio Jr. who was replacing Rusev. Go figure. No Rusev yeah. whatsoever on that show. Uh, so we had Undertaker pop up and squash AJ Styles, not with a tombstone, but with a chokey slam, and uh, didn't huh. even take his hat or jacket off. To uh, to Alan James Styles' credit, uh, I wouldn't want a fucking tombstone from Undertaker in 2020 uh, yeah. anyway. Yeah. So I'll be like, yeah, I'm good with the choke slam. Um, f- okay. Look, I know these Blood Money shows are anomalies because, you know, the KSA lives in 1992 or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. Um, but, man, it's just <clears throat> that show – uh, is kind of just a, a microcosm of everything wrong with, yeah. with WWE. There are, you know, you, they keep relying on Goldbergs and Undertakers and Brock Lesnar's because they failed to make new stars. Mm-hmm. Um, further proven by the fact that John Cena returning to SmackDown on Friday brought them the highest rating since the debut. Yeah. Um, because John Cena still is a draw. Um, and they haven't put the time and effort into creating uh, somebody new. They tried with Reigns, and Reigns, you know, is probably the, I guess, you know. He's the closest they've got. The closest they've got. I mean, he was in Hobbs and Shaw for a hot second. Um, Mm -hmm. So he was in a major motion picture, but he's not The Rock, and he's not John Cena. Nobody, you know, uh, you ask 10 people on the street, randomly who Roman Reigns is, you'll be lucky to get one or two people who actually have heard that yeah. name before. And I'm pretty sure most people who saw Hobbs and Shaw was like, man, how'd they get Jason Momoa to slum yeah. it yeah, in exactly. a tertiary role? I mean, come on. Oh, granted, they probably wouldn't use the word tertiary, but you know. No, yeah, no, that's that's much much bigger, uh, much big yeah. word for yeah. them to speak that, with their mouth holes. That's my um, fault. <laughs> yeah, but they just, you know, uh, Ricochet had had the potential to be, totally. you know, a top star, and then you just, you know, feed him to the beast in 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 thirty seconds, and it's just it's it's frustrating. Um, and it kind of circles back to something you sent me yesterday uh, about was it Brody Lee who yeah. uh, talked. I guess uh, Brody was, King, Brody King, Brody King, yeah. Brody Lee is uh, Cameron Grimes, right? Uh, no, no, Brody, no, Brody Lee, Lee, is, Lee uh, is Luke, Luke Harper. Harper. Yes. What was Cameron Grimes name? Uh, he was Trevor Lee. Trevor. Yeah. So many fucking similar. Names. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, he was I don't know if he was being recruited by Stephen Regal or just asked Stephen Regal, William Regal. Did I just call him Stephen Regal? Yeah, I mean, uh, same guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know, but he's <laughs> he's been William Regal for quite some time now. Yes. Uh, William Regal for some advice, and the advice that uh, Regal gave him was do everything that you want to do in wrestling before you go to WWE because it all stops when you get there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I understand that a lot of people's wrestling goals are to headline WrestleMania and be sure. WWE champion. But I feel like as we progress throughout the years, that's going to change. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because the, you know, sure. WrestleMania is still WrestleMania. Yeah. But being the WWE champion doesn't hold the same, um, 
impact. I don't want to say impact. Uh, doesn't hold the same esteem as it used to, right. um, because the declining creative of the company. They're just kind of. It's it's. I don't know if well, it's a complacency. I, I, it's a stubbornness. I, I don't know what it is. I, I think it's a mixture of things. I think it is that aforementioned declining creativity and declining. Um, I guess positive purview, especially among the 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 hardcore pro wrestling fan, which also is now the subsect that will t- say. I want to become a pro wrestler. I believe right. we're, although WWE still tries to scout some guys, I think, you know, the average crop that are coming in and building out in the Indies is not your outside guy going, Hey, I'm a awesome bodybuilder and I'm going to try to play, play pro wrestler. It's a hardcore fan who says, I'm going to diet. I'm going to build up my body. I'm going to watch tapes. I'm going to become a good pro wrestler. And I think for them, their focus is less now. I want to go to WrestleMania. It's more, I want to work in the Tokyo Dome. I want to be Ring of Honor champion. You know, like the, I, I, I feel like the, the, end goal interest is becoming a little more niche it's it's less uh you know to to sort of mix the uh analogies here it's like being a musician i think your goal is less about like i want to win a grammy and more like oh i want to see you know uh myself get best new music on pitchfork or or something like that like you're you're aiming for higher recognition within a niche because that's where your interests are you look at all the guys that have been scouted by wwe in recent memory and they're indie guys and they are focused or have been focused in I want to go to New Japan, I want to go to Ring of Honor, I want to go to PWG and going to WWE is just sort of uh, almost a retirement plan. It's this idea of yeah. hey, this is when I get to cash out on my name and right. it, it's less about, you know, having that big run. I I don't think there are as many guys who who get into the business now that say I want to work WrestleMania. Sure. I I'm sure they would like to work WrestleMania, but I don't think as it's as much as a bucket list goal as it used to be. And there are multiple reasons you can point to that, but I think a lot of it does unfortunately boil down to that recognition of you go to WWE, you become a product. You are yeah. not, you know, producing the work that you want to anymore. Yeah, you can headline a sold out Tokyo Dome, but eventually you're going to job to the Undertaker who doesn't even take off his hat and jacket. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and this is 20 years from now. They're still going to be carting out the fucking Undertaker yeah. to, to choke choke slam somebody because fuck you, Vince. Um, but yeah, you know, I just I I can't give a fuck about main roster WWE at this point. It just yeah, does man. absolutely nothing for me uh and even nxt starting to wane a little bit too uh granted i've got that post aew pay-per-view uh glow about me Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. things that i tried to watch nxt this morning i got through some of it and i'm like okay there's some stuff here that 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 could work like finn balor and walter i'm kind of actually super excited for that could be pretty great um but you know uh it's just it doesn't doesn't, doesn't resonate. Joy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't resonate. You you aren't finding yourselves as excited. I mean, to to talk about just how there is that shift. Um, to talk about another thing that happened in, in Saudi Arabia. Um, Miz and Morrison won the SmackDown tag titles from the New Day. Uh, a, yeah. uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, Kofi Kingston taking the dumbest bump I've ever seen ever. He did a, a, a trust fall that came up empty, right? Yes. Just literally yeah. flung himself over the top rope onto his back onto the floor. Yeah, that's stupid. Uh, which may also have been just because Miz was the guy who was supposed to catch uh, him. Ah, boo. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, 
in NBA, they talk about no tipping Pippin, and I guess Mike is no catch Mike. <laughs> I guess that's who uh, he is. But um, John uh, Morrison left WWE in 2008. He's had 12 years of seasoning on yeah. other places. He's proven himself as a main eventer. He's proven himself as a movie star. I mean, a, boom, a B movie star, but still a movie right. star. Oh, all he's, yeah. <laughs> but he's done all these different things, and yeah. he, he showed the world he can be a top-tier guy, and he's back in WWE, and he's literally back where he left. He is yeah. the Miz's buddy. Like, you know, that that is a, a great personification. I'm sure he's getting paid significantly more than sure. he was back when he left, but it just kind of goes to show that, you know, it's very difficult to get out of the perception of where they have pigeonholed you. And and you are going to forever be that guy until something dramatic happens, whether it is because you just catch lightning in a bottle or because, you know, uh, maybe at some point a 75-year-old man dies because the XFL is taking up too much of his time and his heart explodes. Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, father time is undefeated. Uh, yes. So eventually, yes. that's going to happen. Yes. Um, you know, or you know, he's going to be Walt Disney and freezes his head until yeah. you know they're able to revive him and he's a head in a jar like Richard Nixon or Futurama calling the shots. Uh, I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility at this point. I'm just saying his mom's still alive and plays tennis with him every week. So, wait, his mom is still alive? Yes. Mama McMahon is still alive, and they play tennis every week. Man, that billionaire healthcare plan is really nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Turns out money can solve most issues. Um, yeah, who knew? Anyway, let, let, let's 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 try let's try to embrace positivity. As AEW <laughs> this week had an absolute banger of a TV show on the road to Revolution, yeah. and then Revolution hit the airwaves last night. With uh, some title changes, some twists, turns, some melodrama, a surprise question mark slash new signing uh, debuting, and, and a whole bunch more. Let's get into Dynamite first, which kicked off with the uh, l- uh, long alluded to finally happening Pack Kenny Omega 30 minute Iron Man match. Chris, I'm just going to say this is one of the best television matches I've ever seen. Yeah, man, best bout, best bout machine is uh, has made his return because uh, that shit was dope. Um, yeah. I mean, they pulled out all the stops. Uh, we had our concerns about how an Iron Man match would go on TV. I think there's only one commercial break. Yeah, yeah. In 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 the whole thing, um, so it didn't. It wasn't really distracting. You know, they, they they weaved a lot of elements into that match with the Bucks coming out, but mm-hmm. uh, Hangman not coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just the, the continuation of, of Pac and, and Omega, which has gone back to, was it Double or Nothing? No, not Double or Nothing. Um, uh, the fr- all was, Out. All, all Out. out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where, where he... Kenny passed out in the Brutalizer, and they mm-hmm. called the match. Um, and they, you know, called back to that in, mm-hmm. in the match. You know, Pac really cost himself the match yeah um by you know getting giving kenny a point by dq mm-hmm. now granted he knew he was going to get that point right back with the uh black arrow after the chair shot but it ended up biting him in the ass yeah. and i think that was really smart booking because you know it doesn't it doesn't ne- necessarily say that kenny omega is that much better than pack yeah it's just that Kenny Omega was that much smarter or or Pac was just that um, 
less smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pa- Pack was basically done in by his own hubris. And right. uh, also credit to the original finish of the match as they hit the 30-minute mark. Uh, Pack had Omega in the Brutalizer, held yeah. it on, and uh, Omega passed out right after the 30-minute yeah. mark. Basically, as soon as the bell rung, hitting the 30-minute mark, that's when Omega went down. Um, so, you know, it kind of showed the wherewithal of Omega and built up, of course, the fact that he was going to be heading into the tag title match. Not 100%. Uh, we did have a uh, sudden death uh, immediately after first fall to a finish as yep. uh, Omega hits the Kamigoye. Uh, a shout out to his golden lover, Kota Ibushi, wow. and then hits the most protected finisher in AEW, the one wing angel and gets the pin there. Uh, just an incredible match though. Crazy spots, including uh, a sick top rope brain buster yeah. from uh pack. Uh, even some small spots of that match were wild, uh, including Kenny Omega throwing like uh, a Hong Kong action flick level kick, sending pack into the corner um, yeah. teases of a top rope. Uh, one wing angel, uh, a yeah. gorgeous shooting star from pack onto Omega on the floor through a table where it looked like Pac almost decapitated himself with the edge of the table. I mean, just a wild, crazy, incredible match that little did we know would be outdone in terms of Kenny Omega's best matches of the year a few days later. Great match, though. If you have access to the TNT app or throw together the VPN and get it on fight, Check out that match if you did not see it Wednesday night. Seriously, one of the best matches of the year to date. Yeah, absolutely adored everything about it. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, also on Dynamite this week, not trying to cover <clears throat> everything, but it's talking high level. We had a dope six-man tag with the inner circle of Sammy Guevara and Proud and Powerful, Santana and Ortiz, against the Jurassic Express. Lots of innovative offense, great triple team moves, all sorts yeah. of just dope, 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 dope shit really uh, a a showcase for both teams and uh, made them look fantastic. Um, We had the sit down interview with Jr. trying to uh, mediate. uh, Yeah. Mediate between Kenny Omega, hangman page and the young bucks. And really it set up everything you needed to know personality wise, heading into the revolution tag Uh, hangman page, hating the bucks, the bucks, Basically looking down on Hangman Page, Kenny Omega trying to be the the guy in the middle and, and yeah. solve everything. And JR just stirring the shit by asking the pertinent questions. It was a masterclass by really all five guys. I know you've been very critical of JR on commentary, but like yes. stuff like this 100% is where he is at his best. Yeah, and I think that's where he should be used. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think uh, I, I still don't think Jr. and weekly commentary is the best route here, especially when you have Taz. Um, they just signed Colt Cabana uh, to a, a deal, mostly backstage and some commentary. So mm-hmm. you know uh, he's at least a little bit more familiar with everything going on, and he won't dismiss in the grumpy old old man shakes fist at sky yeah. um, sort of way that Jr. does from time to time, which kind of takes me out of it. Um, but yeah, that 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 segment was really, really good. Uh, you know, the out of it where Hangman just walked up and left because his drink was empty and he yeah. was all pissed off at the Bucks yeah. was pretty great. Um, the Bucks calling uh, him uh, the, saying that he was just a jobber in a ring of honor and they brought him in and made him something. And, you know, it really speaks to uh, how much good work they've done with page since mm-hmm. i guess dynamite started yeah um because you know 
we were highly critical about it. We knew that they wanted him to be one of the the top guys and it just it wasn't clicking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they took the time and invested into long term storytelling with him and it got him, you know, the drinking thing helps get him over with the crowd because that's cheap pop. Uh, but, you know, the the dissension amongst uh, the ranks of the elite and him wanting to leave the elite and him not getting along with Kenny all the time, like it was a lot of subtlety and a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that happened over a long period of time which you know i always appreciate a good long term long term story being told um and it continued on saturday which we'll get into uh but yeah it was it was it was a good piece of work right there and of course the show capped off with the weigh-in segment uh which very mma influenced but which jr called a contract signing before the commercial yes by the way yes um uh, but, it, you know, much like a contract signing, uh, the way in turned very oh. quickly into a big schmoz with uh, a, a big brawl sent everybody home, including a shoot headbutt busting over a uh, busting open, rather, Chris Jericho yeah. right over the eyebrow. Um, uh, I'll have a note about that when we talk about the main event of Revolution, a, a credit to John Moxley, uh, actually, to bring up there. That's good aim. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, great aim. Uh, worked very, very well. Um, but, you know, it was exactly what you needed for the go home, even if they s- basically had to throw in the revived corpse of one Gary Michael Capetta to uh, yeah. to pull it all together. Anyway, he took he took his time, but he got everything out. He did. He did. It was a fun show. And uh, I'm sure Chris is already starting his uh, change.org petition to get Gary Michael Capetta to replace Justin Roberts. Anybody uh, but Justin Roberts. So in terms of I know another Justin who do a great job. At that. Oh, you know what? Uh, he's announced at uh, Shogun fights. So why not throw him into the mix there? That's right. Um, So revolution was last night chris it was uh not everything worked i i will be the first to say that i mean look i am an AEW mark uh, for those watching the video i am wearing an AEW hoodie but i will be the first to say not everything worked for me uh there there were were uh moments of gratuitous self-indulgence for one uh cody james rhodes uh there were some matches that i just plain didn't care for but man, those highs were high, uh, and yeah. it all started with the buy-in where we kicked off with the Dark Order of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson going against SCU of Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. This was really just what the match needed to be for a pre-show. It was two teams yeah. going out there, great offense. It was nothing amazing nor anything offensive. Both teams looked good. Really, though, it was about the post-match angle where it looked like we were going to see the uh, Exalted One debut. Uh, And it turns out it was actually Christopher Daniels underneath a robe psyching out the Dark Order, I guess, as that feud continues. But also the cheapest Party City robe you've ever seen, by the way. Yes. (laughs) Also running out during the post-match beatdown schmoz was Colt Cabana making his debut to a mild response. Kind of surprising considering they're in Chicago. Um, but I mean, Cole Cabana ain't what, you know, that he, name ain't what it used to be. Exactly. But, uh, it was confirmed after the show, Tony Khan in the post show press scrum, which I think is really cool that they do that. Uh, yeah. that, 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 you know, very UFC esque that they have those, uh, press scrums. But, uh, Tony Khan, uh, saying that, uh, Cole Cabana has been signed to a deal, uh, as you 
mentioned earlier, it is more backstage focused. He's going to be working on producing and doing commentary, but he will work matches on occasion. I expect yeah. to see him probably more on AEW Dark to uh, help out the younger guys and give him some shine. Um, but he does have the ability to work elsewhere if and when he chooses. So probably how a lot of AEW guys are now working indies again. We'll probably see Cabana do that. And I wouldn't be shocked to see him back in New Japan at the same time. Yeah, and he, Tony Khan even kind of took uh, a backhanded shot at uh, New Japan, saying that you know he's been open uh, to working with them. He hasn't heard much from them, but he's been lending his guys to New Japan, and he said, yeah. "You're welcome for all that." Yeah, so, so yeah. I was like, "Yeah, that's probably not going to help things too much." There, yeah, I, I can't imagine uh, Harold Mage really enjoying that being the uh, the line that's out in press today. This motherfucker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then the pay-per-view kicked off with Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes, and this <sighs> was a fucking mess. They went 15 minutes yeah. for some reason. Uh, the story was about Jake Hager's wife. For some reason, for who some had never reason. been introduced prior to this or mentioned no. prior to this. Basically, this just felt like a B-tier WWE pay-per-view match. Like, this would have yeah. fit in on, I don't know, Backlash or yeah. or Bad Blood or something like that. Like, this this did nothing for me. And, and if this was someone's first exposure to AEW, whoo, swing and a miss, man. That was not the match to start the show. I had some problems with the match order last yeah, night. It, yeah. it didn't seem right. Like, I feel like they really should have started with a barn burner, um, like Darby, Sammy. Like, I figured that would have been the one yeah. to, to start the show, or even the tag match. Yeah. Um, some, you got you to gotta start the crowd out super hot, and they did not do that with two ex-WWE guys doing a WWE match where the babyface forcefully kisses the heel's wife um, yeah. in the Me Too era. Uh, so it was... There was a lot of not great happening in there. Um, it was pretty disappointing as as an opener yeah. uh, for the pay-per-view. But, you know, Hager got the uh, – it was a submission, right? Did he Did he tackle uh, him? Well, he hit a low blow beforehand because uh, that's right. what Jake Hager does. And then yeah. use the sleeper to pass uh, – yeah, cause uh, right. Dustin to pass out. So uh, a, you know, a, a win with an asterisk for Jake Hager. But uh, – he had his first AEW match, and he is now undefeated in AEW. Um, yeah. At least he yeah. wasn't wearing the singlet. Yes, so that's true. There's, there, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, a positive. Yes, but very quickly, immediately after this match that was frankly subpar and unnecessary, we had one of the first big announcements of the night, the March 25th episode of AEW Dynamite, which is the big one from the Prudential Center in New York, or excuse me, not New York, in New Jersey, just outside of New York. Yes. Uh, it will be home to Blood and Guts. Yeah, which, which will, is their version of War Games. Yes, two rings, one massive cage, roof on top, you know the rest. Um, no indication as to the teams we'll be seeing there. I'm going to assume the inner circle is probably going to be one of them, unless yep. it's going to be Team MJF against Team Cody, which also feels like a possibility after this show. But oh, yeah. um, nevertheless, hey, they're doing it. They're they're doing the match beyond, and it's going to be on a show called Blood and Guts as they twist the knife into the side of one Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Hopefully it's not the Dark Order versus Team SEU, because I yeah. feel like that's a waste of that concept. Yeah. But hey, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Nope, nope, that's it. Go ahead. But hey, great news, Chris. The match that should have been the opener was match number two. 
as Darby Allen went one on one with Sammy Guevara, uh, Guevara rather, uh, and. Yeah. This was fantastic. We we talked a lot about how this is going to be a coming out party for both guys. Talked about how this was going to be sort of a, a do or die situation. Sounds a little dire, but, you know, this is going to be their star making moment. Yeah. And both guys were over huge. Guevara, uh, before the match actually started, uh, put Darby Allen through a table with a 630, which was insane. Um, yeah. Just really a crazy, crazy way to kick off a match. And they never let up from there. Uh, Allen is so relentless. It, you know, I know that's his gimmick, but it really is appropriate yeah. in his offense. He he just has this vibe of like this wild animal sort of scratching and crawling and throwing himself out, throwing you. his body around uh, yeah. with reckless abandon. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's got an air of danger to it because yes. you know, he doesn't give a fuck and you know, eventually something's going to go wrong. And it almost did last night during yeah. one of his two, two pays <laughs> during one of his toe pays, where his, uh, his foot hit the top rope and he, you know, grazed uh, the head of Sammy Guevara who was hanging over the barricade on the outside. Yeah. I thought maybe he dislocated his shoulder. Cause that was a rough, rough, fall right there um but there's there's such this superstar presence around darby allen it's it's Mm -hmm. part of the way he carries himself and he soaks in the adulation from the crowd and you know it's that presence that it factor that everybody always talks about that intangible sort of thing that some people have and some people don't and darby allen time and time again has proven that he has it yeah uh and uh, Allen went over clean with the coffin drop, which, uh, you know, again, totally fine. Totally cool by me because uh, Guevara came off like such a shitlord heel that you can't wait to see him in another match and get yeah. his ass handed to him. Um, and Sammy had a few moments where he probably could have won, um, including uh, one of the uh, best saves of the night. There oh, was, God. Yeah. There was one corner of the ring. I don't know if it really was cursed, but it certainly felt like it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Guevara going for Spanish fly from uh, basically the left side to the hard cam. And uh, it looked like both guys were going to eat shit, but they did ultimately hit the uh, Spanish fly. Uh, that same corner was problematic during the uh, Nyla Rose Chris Statlander match, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah. But, uh, whew. Definitely had me thinking someone was going to die on live television during that. Yeah, it was, it was a very close call uh, right yeah. there. And uh, credit to Darby Allen for saving Sammy Guevara's life. Uh- <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it, he, he definitely seemed to have a poise in that moment of fear, which uh, yeah. I, I thought was pretty cool to see. Uh, match number three of the pay-per-view proper was the AEW World Tag Team title match as Kenny Omega and Hangman Page defended against the Young Bucks of Nick and Matt Jackson. And, uh, you know, I don't know that I, I necessarily uh, agree 100% with this statement, but I will just tell you what has come out uh, in the hours since. Um, it is the one of the highest rated matches of all time on Grapple, the aforementioned uh-huh. uh, letterbox for pro wrestling. Um, yeah. Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio called it, and I quote, the greatest tag team match of all time. Maybe a little too early to proclaim that. Yes, yes. I think we need some breathing time on this, but I can yeah. say this was absolutely stellar. You know, a lot of guys talk about the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and they shit on the idea of near falls and that sort of thing. And they're like, where's the storytelling? Where's the psychology? Well, here you go. 
This was for everyone. There were near falls. There were crazy finishes. There were callbacks. There was melodrama. There was storytelling. There was raw emotion. If you like professional wrestling, if you like tag team matches, if you like any one of these four guys, if not all four of these guys, if you like the Bullet Club and or the Elite in the aggregate, there was something in this match for you. Yeah. Uh, I was just in awe of it. Uh, it, it. It simmered up nicely, you know, just from a standard wrestling match to Hangman Page letting his rage get to him spitting in the face of Matt Jackson working the lower back of Matt, Matt growing to become the aggressor, being just a full-on prick heel by the end of the match. Uh, Crazy spots, including uh, dives and suplexes on the entrance ramp. Um, You had... The the dastardly Young Bucks doing a uh, golden trigger to Kenny Omega, you motherfuckers. Kenny, of course, kicking out at one because of his boiled rage from that. Yeah. Uh, oh, such a great moment. <laughs> uh, you had Hangman Page doing the uh, Marty Scurll, uh shin kick into the spin around into the uh, uh, chicken, chicken wing, wing which yep. the crowd didn't all chant because I think they were all going, holy fuck, is he actually doing this? Yeah. Um, I mean, just... Uh, oh, hell, Hangman hit a uh, one-wing... Uh, yeah, one-wing angel of his own. Um, yep. Uh, you had the return of the Indie Taker, which I don't think the Bucks had actually done yet in AEW. I know they'd done the Meltzer Driver quite a few times. Right. Um, you had just emotion and rage. And then that post-match having two very interesting moments as, uh, surprisingly, Omega and Paige getting the win, retaining the belts. To, uh, I only noticed one. The other one was pointed out to me later. Um you had when everyone was trying to shake hands and, and be nice, you had Hangman Page standing as Omega and the Bucks were standing in front of him, much how they set up for a triple super kick. Yeah. And then Hangman Page leaving the <laughs> ring, going to the outside and putting his hands on the ropes as if he was going to possibly buckshot Lariat, Kenny Omega. Yeah. But then he just walks away. Well, he, he uh, holds the ropes open for Kenny. Yes. Then yeah. they embrace and they walk away together. Yeah. So uh, this storyline is not over. Yes. Uh, it may be over with the Young Bucks at this chapter, but the Omega Page storyline um, continues, uh, mostly because they're still champs. Um, but they will uh, continue to tell that story. There was th- there was a lot of great moments in that match um what was the what was the time of that match did you catch a uh, uh i i do not have a time for this it felt like it had to have gone 25 at least 20 minutes. yeah uh it didn't seem like there was no point in that match where i was checking my phone uh or yeah. disinterested i was a hundred percent focused on what was going on yeah. um and you know a, a lot of uh of, of craziness you know those guys really went all out no pun intended um in in performing this match and uh it shows they really have something special to show for it uh the crowd ate up everything uh we were popping for the near falls um it yeah. was uh it was a the, it was a hell of a match I, I forget what it was but there's definitely one near fall where we both popped out of the couch at some point i i think it was the the one kick the kick out oh, yeah, one yeah, yeah. after the golden trigger yes yeah that uh, one got us both yeah, which is a rare thing for me while watching a, 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 a wrestling show on television to actually yeah. shoot up. Um, but it was basically 
and and again, for some this may be amazing, for some this may be damning with faint praise. It was the perfect hybrid of the crazy, nonstop, high spot based Young Bucks match with the rich storytelling of a Kenny Omega match. You know, the the callbacks and historical nature of everything, like yeah. it all blended together, and it, it it really was. You know, they they call wrestling the male soap opera. Uh, it showed that it can be the male soap opera without a single promo being cut in the ring. It, it yeah. was all just right there in the ring. And, um, yeah, I was I was blown away by it. And, unfortunately, this was a high high that the rest of the show had to follow. I, yeah. I give credit to the matches that followed. Some were good. Some I didn't love as much as others. But it took a very long time for anyone to get near that height again. And I think it came in a place very few people would have expected. Yeah. Anyway, after this match, sorry, ladies, Nyla Rose and Chris Statlander for a women's world championship match had to follow this tag match. Credit where credit is due. You had Chris Statlander coming off the flu. Definitely not looking like she was 100%. Like, her personality was dialed way down in this match compared to that. ass looked great, though. Well, yes, true. Um, And the crowd was definitely not into it from the jump. By the end, though, the crowd was into it, biting on near falls, all those things. So, you know, credit where credit is due. They were able to win the crowd back, but... On the whole, this match just did not fire the way I was hoping. And it, it there was enough there where I was like, I hope they get to run it back again. Yeah. But it was just bad spot, bad timing, bad situation, and it really didn't work out. Nyla Rose retaining after a, a, a very close tease of Chris Statlander winning the title there. Yeah, and a very close tease of Chris Adlander's murder. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, the, in that in that final spot, um, yeah. there was yeah there were there were some hinky moments in here. Um, they went out there and they tried, but you know nothing was going to follow that tag match. And aside from maybe Pack and OC, uh, would have gotten the crowd to really give a shit. Uh, eventually, the crowd did get into it towards the end. I don't know if it was the the near fall or the near death or whatever it was right. that got the crowd into it. But eventually, you know, they were they were cheering a little bit. But it was crickets when the match started. Um, other critiques of that the the women's title looks so fucking tiny next <laughs> as nyla rose is holding it yeah. it looks like a toy belt um and i know you know you don't need the big gaudy gaudy you know ridiculous aew belt uh which i do enjoy but uh, for the women it just i feel like something a little more pronounced uh, i don't need a full-on diamond plated butterfly um but yeah, something yeah. something something in between uh something a little a little more showy just it's, it's very understated I don't, i'm not i'm not a big fan of it yeah it, it definitely is noticeable um with nyla rose carrying it just yeah. how tiny it is on Riho, it looked appropriately sized yeah. on nyla it looks very very small and i imagine if statlander wins it, it'll look small on her too because she's one of the bigger women she's actually taller than nyla which uh was interesting in the the tail of the tape credit where credit is due by the way to the production guys i liked the tail of the tape bit before each one of the big matches i i thought that was yeah it, it really resonated well um it, it really and added to the sports presentation of the whole thing exactly now 
Let's talk about presentation, Chris, uh, <laughs> as we get into the next match, which was the long-awaited grudge match between MJF and Cody. MJF comes out darker than fucking Wesley Snipes. Uh, he, Jeez. he he came out with like a Drake younger level tan. Uh, yeah, he really hit the bronzer super hard yes. on Saturday. But again, credit where credit is due. Dope entrance robe. I liked it. It gave him a yep. very, um, it, it looked almost like Paul Orndorff. Like it had that throwback feel. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Dean Douglas, but yeah, Orndorff works too. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes out. All the booze, all the heat. And yep. then oh boy. we had the Cody entrance. Okay. So <laughs> where, where do you start with this? So we, we had Cody. Uh, we, we had, you know, the, the slow, um, the slow chanting pre-entrance entrance mm-hmm. hit. Then we go to Cody in the back. It's him and Arn and Brandy. And mm-hmm. oh my God, what the fuck is that on Cody? He now has the Nightmare Family logo tattooed very large on his very bulbous neck muscle. That's, that's yeah. what we're looking at there. Buddy, Cody. Man, now it's crazy because we were talking on the way up uh, to Russell's house about how Cody is just so likable and everything he does exudes his passion. And then he goes and makes this terrible tattoo decision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I appreciate and respect your commitment to the bit and the business and what you're, what you're doing here. You truly are all in. A neck tat is never a good idea, bro. Never. No. no. Never. Show no. me a neck tat that is like good or classy or works uh, if you're not in a fucking prison gang. It's just uh, – fuck. It just, looks, it just looks so bad. It's so regrettable. Yeah. Um, apparently, Brandy doesn't like it either from what I saw on Twitter this morning. Um, it's just – that's something you put over your pec muscle, man. So that when yeah. you're in the ring, you wear, you know, it's over or, or you know, it's over, not your over your heart. Cause that's where dream is. It would be on the other one, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? Or like something on your bicep where you wear it on your sleeve. It's metaphorical. Yeah. Uh, you know, something like that. Not, you know, if you're showing up to fucking do Fox 15 news on a, you know, Tuesday morning to hype dynamite in town and you got this, fucking trashy looking tattoo on your neck it's not a good look you you hit the nail on the head for me which is one of the appeals i think cody as the face of aew has been is you put him in a suit he looks like a businessman he looks like yes yeah but he looks like you know a high-end ceo that sort of thing he doesn't look like a wrestler that's gonna make him look like a wrestler or let's just put it uh, like a generalized dipshit. That's that's yeah. really how he's going to come off. And I love Cody a lot. I I, I really have grown to dig him uh, since his. I I know you were a Cody fan in WWE. I was. I was not as much. I've really grown to love his his passion and his uh, his interest in like old school style storytelling and all that since he hit the indies and ultimately, you know, ring of honor and now here in AEW, um, this was, this is just a big, ugly misfire and it was very distracting, but it's okay. Cause there were more ugly misfires such as the terribly recorded slash performed live performance from downstate of Cody's (sighs) entrance music kingdom, 
which we got to hear the entirety of. Yeah. Look, I, I like the recorded version of Cody's song. I think it's it's grown to fit him well. It works well with his super indulgent candelabra raising entrance. Um, but man, live performances uh, for entrance music is a lot better in theory than it is in execution. Yes. Um, as we, we we were and as the match was happening and as this five minute long introduction for Cody was happening, we were we were kind of going through within uh, the Like a Lads group about you know the ones that worked and there are only uh, a, not even a full handful of them that really did um, and a lot more that didn't. Um, I'm looking more towards the DX theme. Yes. Uh, Playing it to the ring, uh, Limp Biscuit uh, at Safeco. Um, there's, it's just, it's distracting, um, and it's never as good as a recorded version. That's, no. uh, you know, no. that was Justin's whole bit. He hates seeing bands live because it's never as good as a recorded version. Um, and in ninety five percent of the cases, unless you're fucking Iron Maiden, that's true. Yeah. Um, but man, it just, it was. The whole bit was laughable. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was very over the top. Because also, uh, there were even more people that came out with Cody. It wasn't just yeah. Brandy. It wasn't just Arn Anderson. There was the entire Nightmare family, including Stephen Amell, yeah. coming out with Cody, too. It was just, how many accoutrements does Cody need to have for his entrance? Like, it hit a point of self-parody. And yeah. then you had the match, which I thought was fine. Uh, but it was definitely one of those matches, uh, a talking point that I keep going to, which is, let's say it was 20, 25 minutes, should have been 15. Like, it, it, it just ran long, and it had one too many bits, and it had one too many segments. Like, there's a lot of stuff that Cody has done. His match with Jericho, his match with Darby, you know, um, his match with Dustin that I really yeah. loved. This was a, a rare misfire for him because it just was... There were, as we were talking about on on the way home last night, he needs a no guy. He needs someone yeah. to say, "Hey, Cody, you have these five ideas. Pick the three best." You know, right? Yeah, and yeah, it just was too much for me. Yeah, it was it was a bit overbooked, and it became too much of a wrestling match and not as much a grudge match. It started out, you know, with them scrapping and Cody, you know, ready to go after him in that. But then it turned into a wrestling match, an overbooked wrestling match. You had Wardlow out there. You had Arn Anderson out there. You had Brandy out there. Yeah. Um, it was it was there was too much going on that it distracted from the main story. And, you know, the story bits between MJF and Cody worked. Um, you know, the taking of the uh, the nightmare belt and, and lash it call back to the lashes. You had, mm -hmm. you know, uh, MJF doing the typical heel thing of begging for forgiveness and hugging him and, and sort of that sort of thing. You had, you know, Cody's own. Uh, I guess hubris uh, biting him in the ass going for the third crossroads. And that's what ended up costing him the match where he could have put him away probably after the first, you know, there's a lot of, a, a lot of um, things that, you know, weren't originally or necessarily fresh ideas, but worked mm -hmm. in the telling of what they were going for, but all the extra stuff just distracted and took away from it. Yeah. Um, so it kind of ended up overall f flat, 
I think, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, the good thing is MJF won, which I think is the right decision mm-hmm. um, because, one, it continues the feud. Uh, maybe not to the next pay-per-view, but eventually. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe somebody else, uh, MJF goes to piss off somebody else and Cody, you know, gets tied into this elite drama because mm-hmm. he's kind of been mm-hmm. uh, away from that. Um, but this is something that we will see again and, you know, maybe they end up in the seal cage or maybe it's team Cody versus team MJF at the, at the blood and guts thing. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. It could but, be, uh, 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 MJF Wardlow and butcher and blade against Cody and Cody, Dustin QT and somebody else. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they end up doing. Uh, I am happy that MJF won. Also, credit where credit is due. MJF, I think, had the first blade job of his career and uh, yeah. went full crimson mask. Although it was just off of a random disaster kick, so it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a. It was an odd choice for the blading moment. But hey, well done, kid. Well done. Unless Cody has one of those, you know, you stomp your foot and the little blade comes out the front of your boot. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sort of situation like you see in the movies. There's no way that kick could have uh, could have caused that color. But you know, whatever. What's what's a Cody Road match without a little uh, blood? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Well. You know, you really couldn't have a, a greater example of uh, two very different matches coming back to back because you had a match where they threw everything, including the kitchen sink at it, to a match that was the literal definition of less is more and was probably the second best match of the night. Yeah. As Pac went one on one with the AEW in ring debut of Orange Cassidy. Man, this was that incredible. Guy's fucking over. <laughs> <laughs> by doing barely anything uh genius as i'm yes. just gonna say it. it's yeah. a genius gimmick yeah uh and it takes a certain type of performer to be able to a physically do it mm-hmm. and b mentally perform that i'm like i'd be terrible on uh a live action like a snl show or anything like that because i break I- i'll start laughing yeah. Yeah. and ruin the whole moment yeah. um but oc just keeps his cool and keeps the gimmick alive and yeah. and just does his eh, all right whatever yeah uh, and it's just a fucking delight i mean from the jump oc coming out a you know what in, I, I was a little mad at the time but in retrospect it makes sense didn't bother get his own entrance music yeah his he comes from whatever wherever yeah, yeah. wherever <laughs> he weighs whatever yeah his titantron literally appears to be handwritten Yep. He comes out, crowd's going ape shit for this guy. He's flanked by the best friends, of course. Yep. Uh and it was yeah, kind of the the uh the formula that uh OC has used in other matches where it's like he doesn't give a crap until he's made to give a crap. Yeah. But Pac was the perfect foil for it, you know, just oh, someone wow. so intense and so mad and so angry and Really, the credit for a lot of this, as great as Arch Cassidy was, you know, showing his Chikara lineage by throwing amazing dives and yeah. uh, the what was it the flying armbar with arm- his with his hands still in his pockets yeah. and, and and all of that. Um, credit goes to Pack for being the straight man for all of this. Like, yeah, uh, I, it was so good, and it's so funny to me that Orange Cassidy is one of those guys that sort of makes the you know the the old school wrestling purists so mad because he is the literal definition of getting over by doing less. Like yeah. he is what every single old timer pushes. I, I think it was. Uh, 
I can't recall now because I'm, I'm mixing the two up if it was during the, the C2E2 panel or the um, the AEW uh, Unscripted podcast where Cody said the, the best thing that any old timer has ever said about uh, Orange Cassidy was Tully pulled uh, Cody aside and said, hey, man, I don't get it, but the crowd's popping, so <laughs> he must be yeah. doing something right. And, you know, OC is just this unique cult of personality as uh as excalibur called him the king of sloth style he makes it work and um yeah i i had i had positive hopes for this match but they were just blown out of the water this was so fun and so silly and so unique um i they, they really have something special in orange cassidy and i think the thing is because he's not just a comedy guy he knows how to work yeah. And, you know, the the point uh, that Pac pushed him to the point where he had to, you know, do some uh, actual wrestling moves and they looked great and had snap and, you know, Pac's offense always looks great and uh, OC sold um, uh, appropriately for him and the bit where he was just rolling back and forth uh, yes. to either side of the ring to avoid the black arrow. Yes. It was, and it's just infuriating Pac so much. Yes. It was... It was a goddamn delight. It was so much fun. Um, you did have a little run in from the Lucha Bros. Yes, the, uh, the best friends. So if we get uh, Lucha Bros and Pack versus best friends and OCs, take my money. Yeah, because yeah. I'm a hundred percent here for that. Uh, um, I would very much love that for Dynamite this week. And the run in of the Lucha Bros actually again underlines one of those things I really love about AEW, which is it feels like there's a living, breathing locker room. Yeah, you know, that that people can pop up and get involved and are actively interested and aware of the rest of the show. That's one of yeah. the things that always drives me crazy in WWE, where it's this idea that like, uh, oh, why didn't people run out? Because they weren't supposed to run out. You know, why didn't they save the baby face or what right. have you? Like when a baby face gets beat up, other faces run out. And when, you know, heels do bad things like you look back to MJF, you know, whipping Cody with the belt all the heels coming out on the entrance yeah. to watch it. Like there, there's this idea that, Oh yeah. You know, they're, we're all a, part of this yeah. whole thing. It's, it's a living, breathing universe. And, and that yeah. continued even in the main event with uh, Santana and Ortiz coming out with Chris Jericho uh, to, I guess, hopefully watch their, their guy get uh, revenge on John Moxley for the beatdowns they both received. Um, yeah. And let's get into that main event. John Moxley, Chris Jericho, AEW World Title on the line. Chris, what'd you think about it? Um, I liked it. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't love it. Um, it didn't a hundred percent hit. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I kind of expected this to be a brawl sort mm -hmm. of thing, mm -hmm. but I feel like it was a little too much on the outside. Yeah. Um, you know, and I do have a problem with some New Japan matches do that as well. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I like pe seeing people get whipped into the into the greats as, as much as everybody else. But, you know, at a certain point, I want to see these guys duke it out in the ring. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was uh, uh, there was more blood here. Because uh, Moxley got busted open from the ring post uh, that Jericho yeah. threw him into, and really nasty gash. Yeah. Um, and we did get the you called it a couple weeks ago the dramatic reveal of uh, Mox removing the eye patch, saying that he could see this entire time. Mm -hmm. um, so well done there. Um, it was it was fun, um, but it just 
it's it seemed uh, I don't know it just I don't know if I was tired I don't know what it was. I don't know it just I, didn't I, 100% I definitely, click I definitely think part of it was this was three hours into a three hour and thirty minute plus show yeah um I, I think there was that um it, it definitely was you know Jericho kind of going like I'm gonna do the night overall again yeah um and it just didn't seem to fire on the same synapses as pack and oc did or even darby and sammy did or of course that tag match but um it really showed the value of sometimes the best stuff in pro wrestling is when you know exactly what the end is going to be and you you are paying your money to see that finish um i don't think many people thought that moxley wasn't going to win uh and moxley went over clean as a sheet uh you know winning with the uh paradigm shift right in the center of the ring He's your brand new AEW champion. Crowd went crazy for it. Um, it you know it, it was that perfect timing moment. You know Jericho has been champion for six months now. Uh, he'd been a top heel. He'd been doing great performances. Been putting over everybody. But now it's Mox's time to shine as the top guy. Had a really fun post match promo. Uh, <laughs> just felt so wonderful and off the cuff and real and legitimate. Like you could tell his his joy and his appreciation for what he's been able to do in AEW. It, it, it came through, uh, even if the production guys turned on his music a little too early. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they had, we would have gotten the great, what the fuck? Talking here. <laughs> Which was outstanding. Yeah. It, it was very, you know, that's, that was, uh, that was Jonathan good talking. Uh, yeah. That wasn't, yeah. that wasn't necessarily John Moxley. Yeah. Um, but you know, it just further, shows the differences of characters of Dean Ambrose and John Moxley. Yeah. You know, like John Moxley's is, as a character is just uh fucking ready to go in your face brawler, let's do this motherfucker sort of thing, fearless, um ready to to go blow for blow and 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 do whatever it does. I mean, he took out Santana Ortiz, he got attacked by Guevara, Hager came down. It was it was schmozzy. Um but, you know, he overcame it all and uh and got, and got the clean win um as, you know, like he said, as expected and w- it, it was the right call. It was it was it was time. Um curious to see what happens next. Uh does Jericho get a rematch? We haven't seen how they're going to do any kind of rematch clause or what happens when a champ wins a title. Because uh, there haven't been that many title changes um, as of yet. Um, you know, who's next for uh, John Moxley? Does Lance Archer, who just signed, get the uh, get the immediate rub for a title match? And they continue their feud that they just had um, and wrapped up at the Tokyo Dome. Um, does, you know, Jeff Cobb stick around and get an, a, a shot at it? Does does Pac challenge John Moxley for it? I, I don't know. Does MJF say, hey, I beat Cody. Why don't I get yeah, a title yeah. shot? I, I mean, there are there are a lot of different directions in going. And if anything, credit where credit is due to the booking of AEW, that there are so many possibilities and all of which I could see, you know, being in the yeah. mix uh, on the road to double or nothing, if not at double or nothing. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot of great talent that could shine in there. And uh, I, I really look forward. In fact, I'm just thinking about some of the different things. Hey, not even talking about the belt. Maybe Jericho, he picks back up his feud with Jungle Boy, and we see more of that. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's just these great opportunities for so many guys to shine, and I think that is really what is so wonderful. Even though not everything worked for me on Revolution last night, I just had so much fun 
with the possibilities of each and every match. There there yeah. wasn't really an obvious moment until like you got there of oh, this is my pee break match, or oh, right. this is the match I'm going to be looking at Twitter or whatever. Just really, really fun, really, really great, and uh, yeah, just just a fun, fun time. Uh, of course, AEW back on Wednesday night. Dynamite. Only thing announced for that at this point is the official debut of Lance Archer. Um, okay. And uh, I guess we'll see if Matt Hardy does indeed sign. Um, yeah, I mean, as of right now, it's it's uh, it's March first, so he is done with his WWE contract yeah. as we know it. Yeah. Um, who knows where he's going to end up? Uh, if he is the exalted one, if he's not, um, if he's going to hang with Jeremy Borash down in NXT and <laughs> keep working with him, uh, I don't know. But you know what, Chris? What I can tell you What's is. That? The Los Angeles Wildcats and the XFL are continuing. Are you fucking serious? No. Streak. Hit the button. I- Glorious. The Rough House Podcast is a weekly podcast. Follow us at RoughHouseSGW on Twitter and Facebook.com slash The Rough House Podcast. Become a donor to The Rough House at Patreon.com slash The Rough House Podcast. And check out our videos at YouTube.com backslash channel backslash capital U-C-E-G-J-2-1 n lowercase w capital g lowercase k capital p m lowercase l capital d n seven lowercase c three lowercase r lowercase f u v q this is the, the rough, house, rough pod- house uh podcast with justin and christoph that's it fuck christoph he's terrible with his information okay Hey, this is The Rock. Shut your mouth, jabronis, and listen up, because this is the Rough House Podcast with Justin and my least favorite man on the planet, Kristoff. And Marty? The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network. Yeah, Macho Man 2K10, still alive, coming at you. Will be for years to come. It's my hip-hop comeback. Ooh, yeah, I'm the Macho Man, Randy Savage. I'm going to grab a hold of Miss Elizabeth and that butthole rabbit. She likes it back there with my gray hair. I'm going to put it inside. I'm jumping it everywhere. Yeah, you like the Macho Man coming at you, brother. I'm going to grab a pillow, and then I'm going to smother you after we do it. After we screw it, I'm in the buff. I'm making stuff. I'm going to fuck you when you're gone. What? Can we not do that? Is that not... Why are you shaking your head in the booth? Make it a hidden track on the album. All right, that's it. I'm taking out somebody here. Honky Tonk Man with his dong in his hand walking around real strong in the southern states land. He's a racist. He uses the N-word. He's like a dog. He's in the backyard eating his own turds. He's a wrestler with a beer gut. He's had 17 wives and each one's a slut. I did one in the back, one in the front, one in the mouth. The last one really had a smelly country music was his gimmick. He loved to strum his guitar. He never got far besides the icy title. Hey, speaking of which, that Dolph Ziggler kid's really turning into something. Oh, he hasn't been hired yet. Sorry, I'm just predicting the future. Make this a hidden track on the album. Make it a hidden track. I'm coming at him with something else. Here we go, yeah. 
CM Punk will never quit. The guy's the shit. He's the best. CM Punk is the world. He's got two soft breasts covered in tattoos. He doesn't trust the Jews. He did what? What do you mean that's anti-Semitic? Is that not a thing? Oh, fuck you. I once saw him barely tip a kid at a Jewish delicatessen. Oh, God, if we don't get this, I'm going to have a stroke.